SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Exactly five minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant with you on the Market Update uh, this Tuesday evening, uh, the day before the National Budget speech. Uh, of course, Prime, uh, F- uh, Finance Minister Pravin Gordon delivers that. At two o'clock tomorrow afternoon, we will bring you coverage uh, here on SAFM just ahead of that, as well as analysis after that speech from about three o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Keep those SMSs coming in, 34701 with the keyword market. That's 34701 if you have any share or uh, market-related questions. We'll do our best to answer them. We've got lots to get through tonight, including uh, that surprise uh, fourth quarter GDP number, which uh, had an initial reaction uh, on the currency side of things, at least uh, with the rand strengthening against the dollar. Uh, before that, all unwound. Uh, we'll get to that in a few minutes' time. First, as always, Google and Fupi has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Well, touching on that GDP number, South Africa's quarterly economic growth quickened by more than expected to 2.1% in the closing months of 2012, boosted by the manufacturing and farming sectors, although overall expansion remains weak compared to the last decade. African Rainbow Minerals is considering buying mining assets that will boost long-term profit. This is according to Patrice Mutsepe, who's the company's billionaire chairman, who's also the richest black man in South Africa, and he's expressed interest in platinum assets over the last year. On to another mining firm now, South Africa's Labour Court has ruled to prevent a planned strike at Kumba Iron Ore's Kolomena Mine. The strike action planned by the National Union of Mine Workers for tomorrow has been declared illegal and all workers are ordered to report back for work. Turning to the markets now, the JC Share Index is closed in negative territory, down by more than half a percent at 39,568 points. The rand's at 8.53 to the US dollar. 13.37 against the pound and 11.55 against the euro. Gold trading at $1,594 an ounce, a barrel of brand crude oil at $114 and the platinum price at $1,605 an ounce. Thanks, Gugu. David Shapiro of Sassvenal Market Watcher, as always, uh, here on the Market Update. David, markets uh, slipping. Uh, a deadlock in Italy. We've got a comedian called Beppe Grillo who's got a quarter of the votes uh, in those elections. This is what Norio oh. Rubini had to say on Twitter. Italy is headed to new elections within six months as election results make Italy ungovernable. Mm. It is political, mm. economic and financial chaos. And he's from that region, so mm. he should know what it's like. Uh, I, th- I think the big concern is that if it is ungovernable, then, then they'll have to go to the ECB, or the European Central Bank, for some kind of assistance or support package, and that's enough to scare markets or did scare markets today. So it dragged on us. No one could quite interpret what was happening in Italy. Uh, you saw interest rates went up there. Both, I think, Spanish, Italian bonds all kicked up in that. So that remains the big story. Um, we, yesterday we were quite positive because Pietro Luigi, but what's it, Benini, Bassini, but <laughs> 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 he, he, uh, he did, uh, get a victory or he, he, um, you know, he was, uh, victorious in the lower house. It's in the upper house that the problems lie. And Berlusconi with his dyed orange hair still makes, <laughs> still presents very well. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's an issue. But strangely enough, um, looking at that, looking at America at the moment, markets going up there, economic data coming out, they're much improved, particularly on the housing, housing prices up, new home sales up, consumer confidence up, and us, and Bernanke's talking as we speak at the moment, he's answering questions, uh, in the Senate. He's, his intent, as far as I could hear, uh, to sticking to his policy, you know, will continue with the quantitative easing until such time as, uh, 
uh, unemployment comes down. So I think that should give comfort markets, and hopefully it will and it'll give us a better day tomorrow, and then we've got the budget. <laughs> not, much, uh, not much in the way of uh, positive moves on the JSC. We saw SCB yeah. Miller ticking upwards, British American ticking upwards, Impala Platinum, small moves upwards, Woolies. Vodacom up over 1%. Uh, I think the big one, Imperial, almost 3% stronger. But that lost yesterday. So mm. you, you mentioned British American Tobacco, SAB Mill and Imperial were the big ones down yesterday for reasons I, can't, I couldn't find out yesterday, and today they reversed. Over, overall, uh, it, it was a negative day. Um, you know, it just, we're battling at the moment. You know, we're battling uh, in a sideways drift. Hilton, if you look at that chart, you'll see that a year ago, Right from January right through to about July, we also drifted sideways trying to find uh, a way out. We didn't fall, but we didn't gain. It was only in the last, you know, last few months of the year that we broke out of that 34,000 level, I think, 34, 35, and ran, ran up to 40. And I think it looks like the same kind of patterns uh, repeating themselves. I don't think there's enough reason to sell the market, but it's, it's really difficult to get momentum behind us. 52 week highs for Brimstone. Uh, trading guidance out uh, yesterday. It releases results next week. Sipla Medpro trading now well above that uh, indicative mm. offer price. Uh, also, 52 week high for logistics firm One Logics. Uh, the results out earlier today. You're really digging low with these companies. So. <laughs> I'm not digging low. Investors are digging low, David. No, so these are not, not the popular traders, you know, but. Uh, at least it just shows you there's demand at there. Group 5 is up there. Discovery yeah. still mm. up there. Discovery Nedbank attracting uh, smart money. I think Discovery becoming a very popular stock. It's broken through skepticism that has been surrounding the share for a few years now. And I think people believing in management. On the downside, we spoke about the Fashini Group mm. yesterday. 112 Rand 25 today. Mm. I did some digging in the charts and just looking at performance over the past year, hitting a high of 145 Rand 50 mm. way back in August. It almost touched that again uh, in mm. January before mm. pretty much falling off a cliff. Not quite yeah. with the other retailers. I mean, this is, uh. David, this is almost a 30 Rand mm. drop uh, on Fashini. Trading update. Trading update spooked the market. It, it did, but I also think they really Landed up too high uh, last year. There was just too much um, good news uh, uh, expected last year, and I think it was probably one of the you know the big outperformers. And the trading update, you're correct. Um, I, I still think it's a reasonable group. You know, I'm not. Mm. I, I think the result was reasonable, and I'm not quite sure why people have abandoned it to the extent that they have. Well, sales growth uh, for the nine months to December mm. at 5.6%, merchandise inflation 5.5%, yeah. yeah. so you're going nowhere. Yeah, against Truworths. Mm. You know, have a, have compare that result with Truworths or with Woolworths, you're right. David, uh, fourth quarter GDP numbers, we'll hear from Mohammed Nala towards the end of the program, much better than expected. They were, and it, as, as Google said, it was uh, mainly on the manufacturing and uh, agricultural side. Um, you know, you saw a lot of strength there in manufacturing up 8%, I think agriculture up 10%. That's, that's annualized, but uh, mining down 9.3%. So it just shows you it's, it's, it's patchy. You know, it's patchy growth. I still think we're relying on the consumer um, you know, on, on, on consumption to drive us forward, still worries in the mining industry. Uh, but that's, of course, the aftermath of, of the strikes. Well, uh, speaking of those strikes, uh, explosives and chemicals business, AECI, mm. those numbers are today. Revenue mm. up 11% in the year, earnings down by a quarter. And if you strip out all sorts mm. of BEE charges, I hate it when companies do this I because they, they're I real know. charges, David. They're real. You know, there are costs to these transactions. They're actual costs, but what they're trying to, to show you is 
what's the productive side mm. of it, you know, and I mean, underlying. it is underlying. So you should really look at the revenue lines if you want to do that, but it, it's very confusing because I, I don't trust, I don't trust any of the numbers that come out on services provided. You know, if you go buy a service, you say, well, what is the headline number? You don't really know it. You can't rely on them because everybody fudges their numbers. So if you want to find out your true earnings, you've, you've actually got to do your own homework. But ACI wasn't bad. Mm. And I like the outlook Market statement. Market. I like the outlook statement. I like where they're going in Africa. So uh, together with Omnia, I think just keep a close eye on them. Mining uh, accounts for 50% of their revenue. Mm. Manufacturing for a third, 33%. Mm. Agriculture I, for 10%. I spoke with the, the incoming chief executive, Mark Data. He starts his job on Friday. 1st of March, and I asked him, given that half of this company's revenue does come from mining, mm. how have those disruptions last year that we saw in the mining sector affected specifically the explosive business? The numbers that we have and that we, you know, that we put in terms of profit in excess of $100 million on the bottom line, which, which was a major concern to us. And, of course, it wasn't just one sector. It was, you know, or three of the mining giants that sort of went, and, and a lot in terms of the gold mining. So it is a concern of ours. Um, we are still uh, very cautious this year of uh, the impact that it may or may not have. Uh, but uh, what I can say is that we are looking, and we've, you know, we, we've received new contracts in Africa, and we have both in explosives and mining chemicals, and... Uh, you know, a third of our revenue is coming from offshore now. So we're definitely trying to eliminate the risk or diminish the risk, if you like, by looking at a further field in, in, in different markets. That's Mark Dieter there, the incoming chief executive of AECI. A third from outside South Africa, and he did also tell me that they are increasingly looking at other acquisitions in Africa. They've got a, a fairly strong pipeline of acquisitions, which they will announce this year. And they're following Anglo-American into places like Brazil. Mm. Interesting. I, why, why I'm uh, uh, interested in all of this is that there's a mining conference in Florida at the moment. And uh, Ivan Glazenberg, who's uh, chief executive of Glencore, mm. actually came out with a statement giving hell to uh, his peers, you know, um, most of them who have been fired now for swamping the industry <laughs> with mines. In other words, you know, bringing too much production up. And of course, uh, causing losses and uh, and uh, you know shrinking profits and that and that, that worries me that we might we might actually see a mining expansion subs, you know subside come down on that. So watch that. It's it's it's, it's worth following what's happening there. Fifteen minutes after six o'clock, we talk uh, the SAA uh, bailout next. The Department of Trade and Industry, Proudly South African and Brand SA, are calling for entries to the SA Premier Business Awards. The awards will be presented for the first time on the 20th of March in Santon Kauteng. The awards will identify and recognize excellence in business and honor enterprises that promote innovation, job creation, good business ethics and quality. For more on the award categories and entry forms, visit sapremierbusinessawards.com. These days, you can't step outside without being bombarded by more hype about the cloud from every young buck with a wireless connection and an eye for opportunity. Well, here's the real deal from a real man. It's Major McLeod and MWeb Business. Thanks, Tony. Hey there, folks. 
For real savings, flexibility, and peace of mind, trust the guys who know this guy's like the backs of their hands. No more expensive hardware. No more backup hassles. Cut through the fluff with MWeb Business Cloud. Go to mwebbusiness.co.za. Seasons apply. Well, Comair announcing today that it is taking the fairly unusual and drastic step of filing papers in the North Gauteng High Court tomorrow to challenge the government's 5 billion rand guarantee extended to South African Airways in October. Eric Fenter is the chief executive of Comair. Eric, a very complicated legal challenge, as, as these kinds of things are. Nine arguments central to this challenge, but at, at the crux of it all, uh, you're arguing that uh, government and SAA are not following uh, policy and that some of these uh, some of these moves are in fact illegal yes um, basically in 1990 when the domestic uh, air transport industry was deregulated um, a lot of promises were made by government in terms of policy papers that were published at the time around achieving a level playing field for all entrants into the market and this is really the crux of our complaint now is that um, this has this uh, establishment of a level playing field has not been achieved and in fact the ongoing funding of SA is actually supporting the ongoing irrational behavior that we've seen in SA um, and the 5 billion guarantee in particular will perpetuate this behavior and Eric, mm. Eric what is a level playing field well in terms of actually interesting enough in terms of the government's own air transport policy it has uh, specified what it considers to be a level playing field so we don't even have to come up with our own version of it. It's actually in, in the government's own policy. And um, particularly what it listed in that policy uh, in the 1991 addendum to it was that SA must operate autonomously and on a commercial basis, uh, that SMA must be prevented to use profits made on its international service to subsidize domestic services, uh, that SA would not enjoy any privilege in terms of legislation or other practices, and that government will not guarantee new loans to SA or any other airline with government interests while private airlines have to borrow at their own risk. So these principles were actually established by government at the time. So we're not going beyond what's actually in the policies of government. We're not asking for anything over and above what's actually been published as policy and which the airlines have relied on as the basis for competition in the domestic market. At the same, uh, same time, though, you're not calling for privatization and uh, you're not necessarily against this funding as long as it's done in the correct manner. That's correct. Look, I think the, there are certain issues that uh, the challenges that government is facing with SAA, and, you know, we have to be realistic about this. We can't go out there with a shotgun approach and say, listen, SAA's got to be shut down, it can't have any money. Um, I think that's, that's a, bit, uh, a bit of an unrealistic approach to the whole thing. So we're really focusing just on the legal uh, aspect in terms of the domestic market and the policy that government has uh, propagated in the domestic market. And we're saying in that sphere... Um, where there is competition in the market, where we do not require SA to fulfill a public purpose, and it can operate on commercial terms. In, in that specific domestic market, we want SA to adhere to the policy that was published by government. Eric, why haven't you taken this route before? Uh, in the past, first of all, the amounts were, were a lot smaller in the past, um, of, of the amounts of the funding. And secondly, they typically come with fairly strict conditions, and they've been applied to specific purposes uh, within SA. Uh, and also, every time it's been had done in the past, there's always been this promise that it won't happen again. Uh, this time, it seems to be a bit of a, a, a broad sweep of the five billion. There isn't any very specific purpose attached to the money, uh, to the, to the, to the uh, guarantee. And secondly, by the looks of it, this isn't going to be the end of the road because of the rate that SA has been burning cash over the last two years, and the fact that there hasn't been any significant restructuring of the business. 
uh, our expectation is that this is going to continue on a very substantial level in the years going forward. And therefore, we have to now take the step in terms of the risk that it's actually posing to, to our business as Comair. Um, you know, we'd, we'd actually be uh, in default of our, of our fiduciary duties as directors if we didn't actually tackle this risk. I want to get into that restructuring in, in a second. Uh, this morning at uh, a presentation w- which really sought to explain uh, this legal challenge, you said that uh, South African Airways is operating exactly the same way it operated when oil was at $40 a barrel. Operationally, is the situation as dire as that? Uh, well, but there's been no... There's been no significant change to the operations of SA, and I don't know whether it's a case that they haven't recognized just how substantial the changes are going to have to be. But, you know, quite honestly, you only have to look at, at a few of the other airlines around the world that have dealt with this major increase in the fuel cost and the kind of measures they've taken to deal with it and accommodate it and move on. And, you know, none of those measures are evident in SA. So it's a bit late for them now to come and say, well, listen, you know, we, we have been sorted by the fuel price. Um, you know, most of the rest of the world has moved on from there. And uh, But the truth of the matter is it would be a very painful process to, to restructure SA to deal with the current fuel price. You know, Comair has been through it. We had salary freezes for a year, bonus freezes, um, and a lot of other process changes in, in the Comair organization to accommodate the current fuel price. And we've got through it, and now we're dealing with it. And now we can handle, you know, $110, $120 a barrel. But uh, it is a painful process, and it just has to be done. Otherwise, you know, the, the, the results of the last few years speak for themselves in SA, and that's just going to be perpetuated if, if nothing dramatic is done. We saw the acting chairperson of SA, Dudu Mieni, uh, ahead of the presentation to, the, uh, to Parliament's Portfolio Committee on Transport, uh, tell the media that there have been eight turnaround plans uh, for SA since 2000. A couple of horror stories. Uh, these were put on shelves. They weren't implemented. Uh, and uh, she suggested that this 20-year plan, which was presented to the Portfolio Committee, uh, was a detailed one and was an action plan and that uh, this would solve all of SAA's problems. Have you seen that presentation? We've seen the presentation to the Portfolio Committee. Um, you know, to what extent they intended to show detail to the Portfolio Committee is it, not clear. It, was, it didn't appear to be a very detailed uh, presentation. But certainly just the, the principle of a 20-year plan is a little bit alarming because at the rate that this industry changes, um, you know, we typically wouldn't look, be looking out beyond a five-year plan within Comair because just because of the rate of technology change and the rate of uh, of, of change in in, um, in the practices in the industry. So, you know, it's very nice to have a 20-year plan, but I think if you look at what, what the rest of the world had to do and turn airlines around in one year to accommodate the, the market conditions, that's really what SA needs to do. They need to put down a one-year plan as to how they're going to deal with the current market conditions. Eric Fenter, the chief executive of Comair. David, a 20-year plan for SAA. <laughs> well, a 20-year plan should be made up of 21-year plans. One-year plan every year for 20 years. It's, uh, the sad thing is that it makes you feel that you're in charge. You know, if mm. you've got a 20-year plan, you think you're in charge of things. and makes you feel secure. But I agree with Eric. Well, Mohamed Nala is Head of Strategic Research for Global Markets at Nedbank Capital. Mohamed, uh, GDP figures for the fourth quarter uh, up to date. 2.1% for Q4 on a quarter-by-quarter basis annualized for the whole of 2012, growth of 2.5% in the South African economy. Both numbers better than expected. Absolutely. I think significantly better than expected when you look at that quarter-on-quarter number, as you mentioned, 2.1%. Expectations down at a very pedestrian 1.6%. Now, now let's first of all unpack why that was the case. We had a very depressed number 
in the previous quarter down at 1.2%, and that was dragged down by the labor unrest that we had see, uh, seen come through in the mining sector. It impacted manufacturing as well. A lot of those low base effects working themselves out on this particular number. So the improvements coming through, specifically the outperformance in the agricultural sector, manufacturing also quite strong, but mining remaining quite weak. Uh, I think also when you look at expectations, I mean, it was in line with our expectations. We were expecting that base effect to, to effectively come through, uh, but you've got to look through just one data point here, and I think the downside risk is still very much uh, prevalent with regards to that GDP outlook. For as long as this labor unrest persists and that mining sector remains mired in, in, in the difficulties that they're currently experiencing. Now, Mohammed, uh, Treasury and the Finance Minister, Pravin Gordon, would have had sight of these numbers a while ago and would uh, perhaps have influenced some of their thinking around what what gets announced uh, in the budget speech tomorrow. Looking ahead to tomorrow's budget, uh, three things that you're expecting from that. Uh, some news on tax. Uh, I think everyone is expecting some news on tax or, or perhaps no news on tax. Uh, where do you see the budget deficit? And then also, uh, how, are you, how are you reading uh, this public sector wage bill, which uh, seems to be uh, a bone of contention? Yes, I think you've touched on, on the three key points there. I think if, if we first of all look at that tax or expectations around tax, uh, given the State of the Nation address and commentary around that, uh, it does appear as though a review of the tax regime to support extended expenditure is something that is underway. Uh, this is probably a much longer-term development, so I wouldn't expect much of that to come through in tomorrow's budget. Uh, that means that the pressure with regards to stuff like mining taxes or royalty taxes probably not in tomorrow's budget. Uh, what is certainly being expected is that the, the minister's likely to let the bracket creep come through in terms of the inflationary impact, specifically on higher income earners. So uh, that's certainly on the cards, and, and people on the outside will certainly be watching for any increases in the top marginal bracket. No real changes there to, to corporate tax envisaged. Uh, but when you look at that budget deficit, we certainly are expecting that the run-up that we've seen in expenditure and also the slight disappointment, uh, given the poor growth we've seen come through on revenue, leading to a slightly larger deficit than what was anticipated in the medium-term budget policy statement. So I think that's certainly what the market's going to be looking for. Uh, and then lastly, you know, the point that you bring up, uh, the illusion again in the State of the Nation address that, you know, increased salaries for teachers would be something that they'd be looking at. Uh, the worry here is that they have negotiated a three-year settlement with regards to that public sector wage bill last year. Uh, and we know that a disproportionate portion of expenditure going towards social spend and public sector wages. So I think any increases in that quarter will certainly be construed as a negative reflection on the sustainability of the South African fiscus. Our thanks to Mohamed Nalo, who's Head of Strategic Research for Global Markets at NetBank Capital. Well, David, just before we wrap the show, as we sit here staring at the uh, relative darkness in the Melrose Arch precinct, given that uh, another power outage has hit this area, the backlog, David, in the electricity transmission network in this country, 39 billion rands worth of work. Transmission, that That's means transmission. little power stations all over the country. And Is that refreshing them, renewing them, mm. restructuring them? 39 billion. Mm. Oh, that's nice. That's nice to know if you're a consumer. Because <laughs> <laughs> you comfort no, in paying I, those city power bills. I know. We go back to Ellie's and get those uh, generators again for the winter. <laughs>